0: Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion.
1: Dr. Doreen Grand Pichet is the. Dr. Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand Dr. Grand Pichet.
0: Dr. Doreen Grand Pichet? Dr. Doreen Grand is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grand She's a true expert in the field of autism, and I adore you. Can oh, I just say that? <laughs> I don't get to say that often enough. I adore her for many different reasons. I talk about it sometimes here on the program for the work that she's done over the last 45 years, yes. which is Kind of crazy to think so about. So I was just
1: talking with Dr. Steven Edelson, yes. who's also been in the field for 45 Isn't years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and we both started at Lo- with Lovos and then met Dr. Bernie Rimland and, and then just went different paths but have always kind of... Felt the same about what's happening with autism. It was really good. It was a great conversation to have. And he's a wonderful human being. And I mean, no, uh, I need to
0: cast no aspersions his way. But you don't look like you've been in this field for forty-five oh, years. Thank you. you know
1: what I'm <laughs> saying? <laughs> uh, and Steve looks like he's been here for a hot minute. But you don't look like. I, I you know, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. But I got to tell you, Sean. Like it's in, uh, first of all, he, he also looks great. He I does. Was like, he wow, does. He looks amazing. I mean, I
0: mean, nothing against him, but
1: he doesn't look like. He's He's 32, which yeah. you do. Well, thank you. That's very nice <laughs> of you. But, you know, it's it's I I just find it very interesting that if you have had the opportunity, which, honestly, there's not a lot of people who've had the opportunity to work in the field for 45 years. Yeah. there's
0: only a few of you.
1: We learn a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And we observe what's going on and the changes and so on and so forth. And for both of us to feel... Very strongly that this is a combination of genetic predisposition and then toxicity mm-hmm. is is really important you know we, we both feel that and I believe there are others who feel that way as well and so uh, I asked them the question that you asked me which mm-hmm. is how what do you think now that it's 1 in 36 yeah And guess what he said? What did he He say? He said, we have to ask why, and we have to look at, like, exactly what I said and kind of like, what are the causes, and we really have to pay attention to the causes, and so on. Here's
0: what I don't understand, and then we're going to get into your questions, you guys, and you can be writing in questions right now, and we are going to give away some uh, of the toy uh, gift oh, certificates great. this great. hour, and we're going to talk about the head shaving, but what I don't understand is that a long time ago, over 10 years ago, I went to a conference, mm-hmm. and Claire LaJean was oh, yeah. presenting, mm-hmm. and she presented the twins study Mm -hmm, that had just mm -hmm, been done. mm -hmm. And I quote this all the time because I watched her take the whole thing down because before that you know, people, whenever I would talk about or identify myself as a parent of a, a child on the spectrum, um, people would say, well, what do you think? That was always the hot topic. What do you think is causing it? What do you think mm-hmm. is causing it? Mm-hmm. And I never knew what to say. Cause what do I know? And, and then I heard her speak and she stood and said definitively in front of the r- room, this is the twin study. And this definitively shows because they had all of these different twins and mm-hmm. she showed if it were just genetics, this is what we would have found, and it's mm-hmm. not. If it were just the environment, we would have found this. Mm-hmm. But instead, what we found was this that shows clearly, and that's when they started using the phrase that... Um, Predisposition the, or trigger. Well, the, yes, that the, your your genes load the gun and environment yes. pulls the trigger. Yes, And and I sat there and I was like, oh, well, case closed. Here's the study. It 100%. was very clear, and, yes. I, and I closed my book, and I was like, now yep. we're there. And I don't understand why that seems to be so hard. Hard. And I quote that study all the time to even people who do research. I'm like, well, the Claire LaGanchet twin study yeah. um, back yeah. in 2011.
1: Yeah. Hello. Yeah. And, and you know, the, if you are kind of at all involved in, in science, mm-hmm. one of the first things that you know is that um, genetics change, genes change, mm-hmm. but they don't change that rapidly. Right. They, it takes a long time for genetic composition to change and to mutate. And to, to think that autism is just a genetic disorder just is illogical. Yeah. So it must be. The only other thing that changes kind of fast is the yeah. environment. Yeah. And uh, Steve, being very smart, called it pollution. Yeah. And I've never referred to it as pollution, but toxicity is pollution. Yeah. And it, w- when we say pollution, people often think it's um, just air, right, yeah. in the air. And that's not what we're talking about. There's so much stuff that oh. is toxic. He mentioned, and this is what I love about this whole process for us, I'm, I'm still learning. Um, and he, he said, you know, another study just came out, I think he said yesterday, wow. on lithium from batteries oh, yes. causing toxicity in the water.
0: Oh, we've had so many requests for experts in the last 24 hours to talk about lithium exposure. It's terrible. uh, Which I haven't been forwarding to you because, you know, we're a little busy. But yes, I knew that something big had happened with that. Sometime we, you know who we have to invite to, we had him on once a long time ago, Is Ken Cook from the Environmental Working Group.
1: That's amazing. If we could get him back, that's incredible. Yeah,
0: he did a presentation at that same conference that was called 10 Americans.
1: Yes. Uh, Have you seen this
0: talk that he does, where he goes through? No, I haven't. he He says, here, we have 10 Americans we've looked at their blood, and we, here are all the things that we found, and and he tears it Amazing. apart me and he Amazing. says things like, um, here is a, a formaldehyde that was in mattresses that was out, ruled out in 1967. Uh, we found this in their blood, and at the end, and I'm giving it away, and he's going to sue me, but, uh, <laughs> but at the end he says, so I'd like to ask you guys, who do you think these ten Americans are? And we're all like coal miners. Right, right. They're newborn babies. Oh my God. They're newborn babies, and And yet, when they are born and they test their blood, they're finding formaldehyde evidence yeah. of exposure to formaldehyde down to watch from a mattress that has been, you know, that's been outlawed since 1967. Yeah. So I love that he calls it pollution. Uh, we'll get Ken Cook yeah. in here because it's a pretty... And, you know, you just at the point when you feel like, well, it's all over, it's hopeless then. If we've, you know, messed up the environment this bad that we're never going to be free of all this, he then turns it around for you and says, remember when there was the fluorocarbons and we were all saying that we were going to lose the... Uh, ozone and everybody had a can of right guard and they would spray the right guard. And we found out that was bad for the environment. Yes. And then a year later it was all outlawed. Right. And you couldn't, you couldn't spray hairspray anymore. Aquanet right. couldn't be Aquanet anymore right. Right. because of the fluorocarbons. Um, and he said, you know, so if enough people get enough concerned, we can turn the tide, but people need to know. We'll have him on Well, the that's,
1: that's actually like a really good point is that you know it is possible to turn things around yeah. but it it you only can change things after there's some level of acknowledgement exactly and we still don't really even acknowledge publicly the amount of toxicity that's yeah. in our world yeah. nor do we acknowledge the fact that almost all of our food is genetically modified, yeah, and those types of things we have to acknowledge we have to talk about, and that 's kind of what i 'm really glad that there are folks like Steve who are still talking yeah. about that and spreading that information,
0: yeah, I call it Franken food, yeah because it 's like Frankenstein absolutely you know? and, yeah, and this idea that it was going to be so good for all of us, just tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll say Monsanto and say, ha, put, too. Uh, uh,
1: which, by the <laughs> way, I mean, you know, Monsanto, of course, was bought out by... Bayer. Bayer. Yeah. Um, Bayer. And, and those pesticides, unfortunately, still exist. They're of still course. on the market, so...
0: Craziness. Uh, I want to say, first of all, hello to so many people. Dahlia, I've been watching in the crawl that you've been watching for a couple of hours. We're thrilled that you're here. Angie, we're saying hi to you. 100% authentic. We're saying hello. Um, and Taryn, we're saying hello. Uh, and if th- some of you are already in the chat before and want to say hello again, you can. We want to go through a couple of different things. We're here with Dr. Grampy Shea. She's going to answer your questions in real time. So that's going to be super fun. She's a true expert in this field. And we're so lucky to have her with us talking about things and answering things authentically. Because sure. a lot of people, you know, that's the number one comment that people say to me that they say, oh my God, she actually answers the questions. She doesn't shy away from things. And they talk about how brave you are, <laughs> that you actually answer the questions. And i I've been around you so long that I've kind of gotten used to that, but they're not wrong. You are a brave individual and you answer the questions and you'll say we don't know or you'll say yeah. I don't know yeah. or you'll say here's what I do know but you also will say when it's something that you have seen for 45 years, you are a brave yeah. woman. Thank you. Um, so <laughs> we, she's a treasure and we're so lucky to have her. So take advantage of it. This is your time. We're here for two hours. It's a little less than two hours now, like an hour and t- 40 minutes now, uh, where she's going to be answering questions. So ask your questions early and often. This hour and the next hour, we're going to be giving away 10 Discovery Toy gift cards each hour. Isn't that amazing? We love Discovery Toys. They've been so generous with us with gift cards. So how you enter is every time you put in a comment, we have people that are backstage that will, every time you put in a comment, it has to be a real comment or question, right? Um, They will put your name on a slip of paper. It goes into a hat. At the end of the hour, they will draw 10 names out. Mm -hmm. You can only win one in the whole podcast-a-thon. They are $25 gift uh, cards. They're virtual. I will email it to you. When I read the names at the end of the hour, and I'll read the names at the end of each hour, this hour next hour, you will need to email me and uh, so that I have your email that I can email it back to you. Please be patient because we're kind of busy with this. Uh, probably Monday, I'm going to be emailing the gift certificates. You can use those gift certificates on the United States Discovery Toys website. You won't be able to use it on Amazon right, or in right. uh, other countries, or um, but on the U.S. website. So... Please be entered. There's the discovery toy. uh I liked it in front of my face. Uh, <laughs> and we love discovery toys. They have so many different winners i have I have my little my trusty visual aid here that uh, this is one of the toys that won, uh, this was for, uh, teens and adults. And this one, the conversation builder, yeah, um, I love that. It, it's it just has prompts. Name all of the pets you have ever had. That's such a great que- starter uh, question. Yes. Right? You can take these in the car or leave them on the, this is uh, on the dining room table. This is family talk too. They have a grandparents talk one. That's a great gift to give the gran- grandparents when they come to visit, like absolutely. for Thanksgiving, absolutely and say, here, sit down and answer some. And, not only ask them, but answer them so that they get to know the grandparent as well. So, but many other toys, including this, um, that you guys can look up and and if you win the gift certificate. Also want to say that we have something very exciting planned for the last hour of the podcastathon. If you guys yes, are right in there. the know, you know that we're here for a total of 44 hours. This is hour 19. We have been going <laughs> solid like a train, a freight train. This is hour 19 and we're going to go 44. Why 44? Because until last week, the number was one in 44. And we did say up until last week, we knew the numbers were going to change We didn't know how much the numbers were going to change, but we're going to continue to do 44 hours. And for anybody who's been saying, well, 44 and 36 aren't that different, believe me, when I'm an hour 36, I'm going to make a big stink about the fact that we have a lot more hours to do. It is a big difference. Uh, In any case, when we get to the final hour, in that final hour, we're hopeful that we will have raised at least $5,000. Tell them what we're raising money for.
1: Uh, well, we are raising money for iPads that we will want to give to individuals who are applying for iPad grants um, through Autism Care Today. And later today, I'll be speaking with uh, one of my co-board members um, from Autism Care Today. And we love this organization that we founded many years ago. Now, I think it's about twenty years. I should really, mm. I should know the dates, but. Um, and we, uh, we get a lot of requests for iPads, so if we can raise at least $5,000, then I will have the privilege and honor <laughs> of doing something pretty radical live in our last hour, which is I will be shaving Shannon's hair live on the show. And I will be bald. We will have shaved Shannon again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that will be a very fun thing. Uh, so if you want to see that, and I'll tell you what, I think everybody more wants to see you doing it than me getting the shave. No, I don't um, know. I
1: don't know about that, but I am very excited, and I've, <laughs> I've bought a lot of uh, good equipment
0: for this. So We've this had way fun. too much fun just even planning that. I know. Both you know, of us are so gonna excited. It's going to be a letdown, I think, in the end. <laughs> no, Kelsey. I don't think it'll be a letdown at all. And I'm excited about it. And I would like for her to shave my head in honor of iPads for people because it's very important to me that people have functional communication. I believe that that is a basic human right. And it pains me that we aren't always able to fund all of the requests for iPads. Right, so right. Uh, we'd love to get more than $5,000. So, you know, don't be shocked if it goes to $5,000. we are going to raise it up to 10 we will still shave my head at five, dollars yes. But we'd like to raise more money for this that.
1: this is where you can donate, givebutter.com. Uh, slash iPad challenge.
0: Yes, we're not going to smear any butter on my head, but we want oh, you to. You never we, know. Uh, <laughs> No, <laughs> I might draw the line with that. I don't mind shaving my head, but butter—I don't know. It's a do, dairy. Do we product. have sha- shaving cream? No, because that thing doesn't need oh, it that, with the shear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Although we, you know, if you want to be like way, maybe, I maybe we have to. to it, maybe but... we have to run over to Target and and purchase some of that. We'll see. We'll we'll see about that. I'm all good with whatever. Uh, okay, so that's all of the news that I needed to share with you guys. Except that there are many different ways to participate in this hour. We're live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, and Twitter, and we're live on about a dozen other sites as well. But those three are the ones where we're, you're going to get the best chance of interaction. That's when you get entered into the contest to, to get your name written down in the hat so you can be drawn out of the hat. So YouTube, Twitter, or um, Facebook. And we are able to see those comments right here live. So uh, I want to, again, say hi to everybody. Angie has written in already and said, my five-year-old was put on one of clonidine mm-hmm. for impulse behaviors. Since then, his sleep has gone downhill. He used to sleep 12 hours a night with no issues. What should I do? The clonidine. Clonidine is helping the
1: behavior. Yeah, so it's rare. It's not, I mean, it, it is, Clonidine is, is a sedative and it is, one of its intended uses is ADHD, but it is rare for people to use it for impulsive behavior. Uh, it's more often used for, as a, you know, sedative. So um, I would f- speak with your physician who has given you the clonidine and request a change i get it that it is helping the impulsive behavior but sleep is very important and i think you might have other options of course the physician like right now i'm having some issues with a a particular child who's very very sensitive getting used to a medication and sometimes the physicians will say just give it a little bit more time so i don't know how long your child's been on the clonidine Uh, that is a pretty small dose, but let's wait and see what your physician says. If they suggest to just give it a little bit more time, uh, maybe what you should do is then, uh, add things that would help with sleep. A lot of people are very happy with a very low dose of melatonin, for instance. Um, but, you know, talk to the physician about that. If it, if this sleep to me is just so vital um, and a lot of our kids are just not getting enough sleep. So I think you just need to go back and talk to the physician and just say that, hey, I'm having this really bad side effects which I don't want to deal with. Yeah. Sleep is pretty important. We're going to be the living example of that Fair, over these next few hours.
0: I said this morning my executive functions are going to start to go mm-hmm. and then my ability, you know, to do anything is going to be out the window by the time we're done. And 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 what do we
1: expect from our little kids? Yeah. That yeah. don't,
0: you know, don't even have coping strategies and aren't I don't drink coffee, but you know, other people do.
1: Well, and I see it with our kids, right? So like sometimes a child who's not had a good night yeah. They're somewhat functional in the morning, but by the time the afternoon rolls around, they're just done, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like like we would be.
0: I yeah. mean, it's not that foreign of a th- concept for us. So sleep is pretty important. But I understand there's that thing about, oh, but it is helping the behavior. Uh, but I love your advice there. Now, Dahlia has written in and said, my son is two and a half years old, nonverbal. He is throwing things and spitting a lot. Mm-hmm. He is not targeting anything, anyone when throwing items. How to deal with this behavior. And uh, she goes on to say, if my son continues to be nonverbal by age four... Mm-hmm. When is it time to be in JK? Uh, which I don't know what JK is. is that junior kindergarten? Maybe that's like what I too, yeah. Like transitional kindergarten? Is it better to do intensive ABA or enroll him in school? I can't wait to hear what you say about that. Dr.
1: Yeah, Rich. I mean, I think that, okay, so first of all, <clears throat> he's throwing things and spinning a lot. He's not targeting anyone when throwing the items and what to do. So you immediately need to... Uh, have someone help you do what's called a functional assessment, functional behavior assessment of the behavior. And that means that we're trying to figure out why he's doing this behavior very specifically. Why is he throwing? Now, uh, sometimes, you know, he's not targeting anyone, so it's not revenge or he's angry, but it's more possibly it could be that he gets attention when he does that. It could be a sensory thing where he feels... He, he, I had a child who used to spit, and it took us a long, long time to figure out that it wasn't even that he was spitting to get people to leave him alone, because we thought it was like every time a demand was placed. But it wasn't. It was just that he liked... The He liked looking at how the spit looked when he spat at someone. So you'd be amazed. There are lots of different reasons, and it would be important to have a behavioralist observe and be able to help you determine exactly why the spitting and throwing are happening. And based on the function they will give you, uh, solutions and and what to do with it, for, and these will be different for sure. So, for instance, uh, you know, you say he's not targeting people when throwing items, but when he throws an item, so, you know, depending on the type of item, perhaps there's a delay, right? So perhaps he is delaying response time so you're does it occur for instance these are things that behavior analysts would analyze is does it occur whenever a a demand is placed or whenever he's asked to do something and just by throwing something, he might be delaying having to respond. Yeah. Or is it done in an environment where, when he throws or spits, he's removed from that environment? He might want to be—he might want to be removed. Uh, does it occur when, uh, with only specific people? There's a lot of questions to be asked in order to determine exactly what is causing it. And how to deal with it, right? Because uh, if if he's doing it for delay purposes, then you need to make sure you don't allow the throwing of objects to delay the sequence of events. If he's doing it for attention, then you want to make sure you ignore it and do not give it attention. There's different treatments based on the function. Now... You asked, if my son continues to be nonverbal by age four, when is it time to be in what we think is junior kindergarten? it better to do intensive ABA or enroll him in school? My answer is really clear on that. It is always better to do intensive uh, therapy, intensive ABA at this age. I mean, he's only four. I would be really working on intensive ABA at least until 5 or 6, if you can, and delaying. In fact, a lot of times I would instruct my, my uh, families to delay kindergarten so that we could get more ABA time in. Uh, think of ABA as one-to-one teaching. And also think of it as... Teaching, I think, things that are maybe more vital than things that are academic, right? I think someone is saying that my sound is too low. I just saw. Um, Mike is soft. Yeah, maybe we can uh, deal with that, Traven. But anyway, so what I was saying is that we really want to make sure that we're getting as much ABA time as possible. Um, to me... It's more important for a child to communicate and socialize than it is for them to uh, learn letters and numbers. And Of course, that is important as well, but I think just language and communication and safety and uh, adaptive skills, taking care of themselves, those types of things are vital. And if I'm limited in time, then I will always pay more attention to that stuff. Um, I... You know, if you do continue, there, and they are, and your team is focused on verbal behavior, they're focused on teaching, vocalization, imitation of vocal sound, manding, which is requesting things, tacting, labeling items, that kind of stuff, uh, hopefully the verbal component will come in and even if it doesn't come in there's a lot that they can teach him non-verbally so i would still really continue with the aba uh,
0: and you know i agree with that yes, right yes uh, i was yelling about that this morning at 3 30 about you know that uh, it's, it's the better choice uh, taryn wants to know what do you think about abel's curriculum
1: the yeah, ABLES. is one of the curricula that are, is out there, Web ABLES now, and I think that it is uh, pretty good for uh, up to a certain level. I think that uh, most of the curricula that are out there don't really go into the higher areas of teaching that ABA is able to do. For instance, executive functioning and cognitive skills and advanced, very abstract language. Those are things that are still missing from these curricula. And uh, But if your child is, you know, you do the assessments and you feel like your child is still there are still things, skills in the ABLEs curricula that your child is not able to do, capable of doing, then continue to go down that path and teach them. Once you hit a certain level, though, uh, you know, make sure, this is really important, I think, is that Our kids get bored, too, when things are repetitive or not moving forward or not quickly becoming useful. So I think that you just want to make sure that you're not repeating things if the child uh, knows them already.
0: Uh, we're saying hi to Yama, who says hi to Shannon and Dr. Doreen, and uh, Marina is very excited that you're going to shave my head. We can't wait either, Marina. One hundred percent authentic uh, wrote in and said, "Yesterday, after I watched you, I drove to Flagstaff. My daughter, my granddaughter, was found. I admitted her to have her reevaluated. When she came to us two years ago, her father would not release her records from Oregon. DDD stated they didn't give, uh, they, they couldn't give her other services because they didn't." And have her records now that we are getting her reevaluated.
1: Can that work for other services? Yes, absolutely, and it's so wonderful. Thank God that you found her and that you are. Able to take over and do these things, and I think it's very important to start with an evaluation.
0: Yes, uh, and and then and you're in a good state where hopefully you can
1: get connected yep. to good services.
0: Yep. That's right. That's where it all starts. Uh, Lou C says, "Is there research that shows that neurofeedback or biofeedback effectively works to treat autism? What are your thoughts on this?"
1: Yeah, there is a little bit of research. There's not a whole lot, but I do believe in biofeedback I've done biofeedback when I was a student and um, and I've had it done for me to me and biofeedback it's interesting if you think about kind of the principles of learning right which is all of ABA is based on the principles of learning it's all about uh, anything that is rewarded is increased Right, so right. any behavior that is followed by a reinforcer or a reward will increase. That's the whole concept of operant conditioning, and and I love referring to it as operant conditioning because people don't realize that learning is almost instinctual, uh, which is why we can apply these principles to animals that don't even really have a lot of cognitive function either. Mm -hmm. So, for example, mice or pigeons or so on, when they do something and they receive the appropriate feedback, that behavior increases. And so biofeedback, if you think about it, is pretty much that. It's not that the feedback that you receive is not necessarily rewarding but it could be so. For instance, uh, when I did biofeedback, it was testing uh, whether or not you become better at math by doing biofeedback. And the way that it worked was that when you got you would they would present you with math calculations, and you were it was timed, and you had all these uh, you know electrodes on you, and if you responded correctly, like you just see that you responded correctly. That's all. It just gave you feedback. Right. And knowing that you respond correctly, which is a a part of via feedback, is it will uh, automatically, without you even being aware of it, will increase that response. Interesting. It's like a reward. So recently I purchased this um, uh, headband. I think I told you about it. And it's kind of interesting because... What it does, it's a biofeedback headband. And what it does is it plays, uh, like, background music or and whatever it is. But, and as soon as your it's some pleasant stimulus, right? right? Different people like different sounds. But if you – as soon as your mind starts to wander and right. uh, uh, starts thinking too much, then obviously your brain activity, which it is measuring through its electrodes – starts to increase and then they bring you back by increasing the volume of that background music and it starts to teach you to calm down it starts to teach you to meditate so i actually think that neurofeedback or biofeedback is to some extent effective sure. in certain things like i think if you can actually start teaching your child to keep a biofeedback device on it might be helpful in teaching them calming, sleep behavior, those types of things. Obviously, it's not going to be uh, – actually, I take that back. Many. I was going to say it's not going to be hugely effective in teaching new skills, but I take that back because if you look at gaming, gaming is very much the same principle, which yeah. is like you do something, you get some sort of feedback. So I do think that the receiving feedback is, is very effective. It's interesting because um, when you brought this up before,
0: I was talking about the fact that many, many years ago... There was a line of toys that were, it was Uncle Milton toys. It's mm-hmm. scary that I know that it was Uncle Milton toys, but they were Jedi toys, and there was one that it was a tube with a ping pong ball, mm-hmm. and you put on a biofeedback yep. thing, and you need to concentrate yep. to get to a frequency where you made the ball levitate. Yes. And it was hysterical watching on Christmas yes. morning to see, because uh, my husband, like, really struggled. He was like, I don't know how you make the ball go up. And it took me forever to figure out how to make the ball, but Gem. But Could make that ball do all kinds of things. Are you serious? Wow! And there was another one where you made it go through hoops. We didn't have that one. See, and that's Uh, bio. That's pure biofeedback. Yeah. And it's a toy. It's a game. Yeah um so amazing i i i kind of want to see uh what what it would be like for the, for the one that you're talking about with the music because yeah i think uh lately my thoughts have been so scattered and all over the place yeah. it would uh, be like yeah. shannon shut up yeah it calms you <laughs> yeah. down yeah it's perfect uh amazing uh okay uh I have lost my place here. Oh, Parker. Parker's like my new personal assistant. Parker says, "Hi Shannon, did you have a tiring night? Ghost Energy is my favorite energy drink. Use them if needed." I'll have to look at what the ingredients are. I don't I can't do any caffeine at all. I'm yeah. as as, you know, as tired as I will get, I can't do an artificial stimulant because I become a hot hot mess. Amazing. So, uh, Angie says, "Will we be able to rewatch? I missed my answer about the clonidine I was picking up my son." Oh. Yes, you will. We are recording and and the podcast will be available but i don't know which site that you're watching on but i think especially on facebook if you tune in now you should be able to rewind back to that point on on some of the platforms you can do it check that out and see if that works angie Uh, okay Uh, and lucy Lucy, follow-up question says is neurofeedback also effective for adhd
1: yeah it's very effective for adhd in fact uh, it one, yes, it, it, there's a lot of treatments for ADHD that are based on biofeedback. So yes, it is very effective in slowing you down and helping you regulate your attention. increase like as Shannon was saying, this game is a great example of the fact that you are so focused on something that it actually over time helps improve your attention. And your ability to screen out distractions, which is really a big, big, big part of ADHD. Amazing. Um, Dahlia wants to know, what are the
0: signs of potty training readiness in autistic children? Mm. My son will come to me for a hug or to stand beside me after pooping in his diaper. This happens only sometimes.
1: That's awesome. So actually I talk about potty training for a whole hour tomorrow. Yes. So Dahlia, please join us if you can. And yeah, I think that if you see that your child is coming to you when he's pooped in his diaper, he might be telling you, I don't like the feeling of having a poopy diaper. Um, So that definitely would be considered a readiness sign. And there are other signs as well. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with the child being uncomfortable when they're soiled or wet. Yeah. But we also notice, too, that um, sometimes they go to a specific
0: place to do it, right? I find that fascinating.
1: Yeah. So a lot of kids will, like, especially with bowel movements, Mm -hmm. they will um, hide. Yeah. And they'll go in a closet or something. And I think that has a lot to do with just... Um, something, some sensation is happening in their body and somehow they feel like that's a private thing. It's interesting that they pick it, up on that. It really is. But it could also be that, you know, someone has said, oh, no, 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 we have to change you right away or mm-hmm. whatever. So the child might think they've done something wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Crazy. I mean, I think it's so funny that uh, my husband and I were having a conversation about this just like yesterday or the day before, that um, there was a period of time after Jem was diagnosed with autism where we were led to believe that he was not understanding anything that we said Mm -hmm. and and he didn't have the ability to communicate anything back to us, right? Mm -hmm. But on the day that he turned three, he had been working with this speech path that we really, really liked on the day, but his services with her were ending because he was turning three. Mm -hmm. And we were switching over to other intervention and uh we went in for the session and she said she was just going to do a little test and she had one of those pads that um there were started out it was two pictures and she would say to him which one do you use to play with mm-hmm. um and he wasn't even looking um but there was one that had six pictures and i remember he very distinctly he was looking and she would turned the page and she said which one would you use to cook and he just whapped <laughs> right and he whapped the frying pan okay. and i said He knew it was the frying pan. I got all excited. He was like, he knew, he knew, he knew, he he knew it was the frying pan. And, and she said, no, it was just a fluke. He's not even looking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, And so mm -hmm. then she turned the page and she asked, and and then like for the next 14, he got exactly right. I said, that's not a fluke. Yeah. He understands what you're saying. And, and it was this crazy moment because I was so excited. I said, he's understanding some of what we're saying. Yes. Because and I, and I when we were talking about this, I said, do you remember that there was a time when we thought he couldn't understand yeah. anything that was going on around him? That seems impossible now. Yeah. But it was, it yeah. was the case. That's how we felt. And yet we slowly realized that he was picking up more than we knew. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people say that our kids on the spectrum, well, they're oblivious. They don't know about that. They don't know. And yet they're picking up stuff that we're not teaching them.
1: This is true. This is true. They're I think picking up right. the shame yeah. and they're picking you're up, right.
0: that it's private and they're picking up all these other things. I, I think we always need to remember, just like we always have mm-hmm. to assume mm-hmm. intelligence, I think we have to assume that they're, they're picking up a lot more. And maybe they can't categorize yeah. it in a way right now that they can regurgitate it towards us, but they're picking stuff up. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think they. a lot of our kids also understand, just in general, like understand more than we think they do. Yes. You know, so yeah, it's, it's very important to keep remembering that. Absolutely. Amazing. So,
0: around the potty training, we want to be careful that we're not ever putting a shame thing on, but also people need to like think about how they language their feelings about things around their children. Yes. You know, absolutely. that we're never talking about our kids uh, uh, as being a burden or. Or, you know, while I was giving the talk this morning, I was talking about the challenges around being an autism parent. And I said, but I want to stop and say that the challenges did not involve my son. They involved being able to get connected to the services to help my son. My son mm. is not challenging. Mm. He had behaviors that were challenging, but that didn't make him challenging. I think it's really important that we all get mindful about how we talk to and about our kids because I think they hear more. I didn't mean to get on a soapbox, but I just no, felt No, actually, that's a really good
1: point because it kind of goes back again towards some of the stuff that we we're ta- I was talking about with the cognitive distortions. Yes. Because a lot of the challenges that, you know, you said, yes, you're right. There's an... And, Although things have changed, there's still a lot of challenge involved oh, with yeah. access to care, getting the right uh, provider, getting funding in place, getting people not to cancel, getting schedule. I mean, you know, it, there's so much, right? Yeah, um, And getting, you know, the schools to cooperate with the providers, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much of that. But I think a lot of the challenge that we experience as parents are just based on what's in our head, too. Yes. It's these thoughts that we have, you know, and those just make things a lot harder. Like, for That's instance, true. imagine if if a parent had a guarantee from God or, which, yeah. or whatever source they you believe in, a, a guarantee that everything will be okay, everything will be fine then, you know, yeah. you go through life differently. Absolutely. You know, because a lot of what you, we are experiencing as parents is just these things that this all-or-none thinking that I was talking about, yeah. which is like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like, is he ever going to talk? Is yes. he, what's going to happen when I die? What's going to happen to yes. him? This is, this. you know, all, how, it's just it's a huge amount of stuff that we think that causes us stress. That's a big part of the challenge. It is. It absolutely yeah. is. I firmly believe that.
0: Uh, I want to acknowledge that Mike Hippel is back with us. And, Mike, you were with us a little bit last night, and then I think you left, but we were talking about you on the program um, because Mike is a, a really big advocate for aac devices and um and i evoked that last night mike uh mike has written in because when we were talking about is it better to do therapy yes or to go to school he said you can have your child not go to
1: school until they are seven in most states in some states it's six some states Uh, it's five some states it's even three so it varies but yes i as i agree with you mike we want to delay that as much as possible I see that you've suggested using a communication system so they don't get frustrated. I 100% support that. I think that a lot of parents uh, avoid doing that because they think if you start an AUG system, augmentative or communication system, it'll delay vocalization. It doesn't. In fact, I think it expedites it in some ways. We often use augmentative devices or iPads because they give a visual component, and it actually starts speaking faster. Absolutely. Um, but, but again, there's that distortion that parents
0: think, oh, yeah. if we do this, we're giving up, and it's not. It's a- actually and, and as Mike means-
1: says, honestly, Shannon, I know how important it is for us, for our kids to speak, uh, but giving them some form of ability to communicate and avoid that frustration is so vital, is so important. So I I fully support that. There
0: we go. Parker says, I have to ask a follow-up on the dating
1: thing. How do I get
0: things started? The Corridor here is an Autism Speaks organization, and I can't stand them at all. Mm -hmm. I would love to host a similar thing like the Asner Center does with dating.
1: Well, that's awesome, Parker. I mean, you are a a person who could host something similar to that. And as you know, we have an hour coming up with the folks from the Ed Asner Center, and, and you can certainly uh, write to them. Um, but I think it's a great idea. And as I said um, yesterday, I think you know you, sh- you don't need to be necessarily looking at autism-specific activities. Yeah. You need to be looking at activities that you like or you want to get better at. and you need, I know you're, you really want the dating, I completely get it. Uh, I just want to redirect your thinking a little bit and say, uh, think of a hobby or an activity that you really want to get engaged in and active in and start doing that. And that may very well be the venue where you meet the, the person of your dreams. One of the things that a lot
0: of the curriculums around dating on the spectrum talk about is let's learn how to be a good friend first. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a good friend, dating is going to be infinitely easier. That's true. Because when you're on a good date, it feels like you're with a good friend. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's a a wonderful thing. But I hope that you will do that, Parker. I hope that you will start one. Keep in mind, too, I mentioned that Tom Island is going to be doing uh, an hour tomorrow morning. Uh, both both Tom Island and Amy Gravino are doing stories from the spectrum tomorrow morning separate hours and Tom is the current coach for for the Ed Asner Center's Dating on the Spectrum. So, um, and he's going to be here. His topic is going to be love, dating, marriage, and relationships. Wonderful. And he's going to be here with his girlfriend. That's and, great. And they'll talk together, Rosetta Walker, who is the queen of inspiration. That's awesome. And, she-
1: and, and, and on Amy Gravino's show, there's also Peter Gerhardt, right? Peter so Gerhardt
0: or- is going to be with her.
1: And he's a know, very good
0: speaker. And And Amy is an autism... Sexuality advocate, isn't that the Amazing. best title ever? Amazing. And relationship coach. Amazing. So, um, and she is so is hilarious. Yeah. she is just the funniest person. Um, I just adore her. So, those are that you you might want to make sure that you set your alarm for tomorrow morning, Parker. Uh, for to hear both of them speak, because all three of them four of them actually speak because it 'll be Rosetta Walker and it's keep, early huh it's, it's early, early it 's early, but not for you, Parker because you 're on East Coast time, so it 'll be like nine and ten i don 't know if you 're mm-hmm. available then um Yaima says, "Hi, Dr. Reen. I'm taking the Autism Parenting Foundation. I think you mean the Partnership Foundation, right? Forty hours RBT training program. Congratulations! <laughs> what would I need to do next to receive an RBT certification and become one? So good after for that, you. after that, forty hours. Because I I, I, I know people ask this a lot.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. And uh, first of all, good for you. It sounds like you are a parent and you are trying to become an RBT. I believe." And, and that's wonderful. I, the RBT, or Registered Behavior Technician, credential has some aspect of testing and practicum. Uh, I don't follow exactly now anymore the uh, how many hours, but you need to have a board-certified behavior analyst, the BCBA, uh, do an observation of your work and fill out this form that kind of uh, is like a test of your your what you've learned and how you are, you are able to. I think there's a written exam, and then there's this uh, kind of evaluation that occurs as well. And I don't know exactly the number of practicum hours that are required by it, but uh, if you go on the Behavior Analysis Certification Board website, which you just spell that out, Behavior Analysis Certification Board, B-A-C-B, I think it's .org, Um, there's a section that outlines all the specific requirements for the RBT. Uh, But, you know, and and it's valuable to have the certification. I applaud you. Uh, I think it's more valuable just to have the knowledge. So good for you that you're doing this. And here's something that's fun. The Autism Partnership
0: Foundation they're going to be doing an hour here on the podcastathon directly after our second hour of Ask Doctor Dream. That's awesome. here. So in in that just in just about an hour they're going to be doing an hour, and you can talk specifically about that with um, Doctor Lee or Doctor Um So I'm going to take this one last question. Then we're going to maybe we should take a break before we get to this last question because we're at the top of the hour. So we're going to take a short pause here. Oh, I was supposed to read the winners, not taking a short pause. Hello, (laughs) I'm new here. Uh, So uh, if I read your name, you have won one of the Discovery Toys gift cards. We're going to continue this for this next hour. But um, you need to email me because I will not have a way of getting this to you. I won't know how to reach you unless you email me. My email is shannon at autism-live.com. And Traven might be, there it is. But I'm also, I'll put it into the chat during the break. But thank you, Traven, for putting it up there. Shannon at autism-live.com. Are we ready? The winners for this hour are Carrie Weldon, Yaima uh, Sanchez, Ryan Ulrich, Tara Barlow, 100% Authentic, Estelle Almeida, Marina Schaefer, Peter Garcia, Gary Wiggins, and Ashley M. Yay! So if, that, if I've said your name, make sure that you write to me, Shannon Yay! at autism-live.com com so that it's a digital gift certificate that i will mail back to you but i will have to have your email we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to continue with questions with dr grampy Shea. we're going to continue with 100 percent authentic question about sexuality mm-hmm. and the desire for sexuality so stick with us we'll be right back after these messages found anything helpful in this video, please give us a like. In fact, make sure that you smash that subscribe button on YouTube and give us a like on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram for important updates. And please download our free podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. See you next time.